Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, over the next two weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of, of generosity, but I want to do so through the framework of really the events that are happening currently in our world around us. One of the questions that I've been getting asked the most and one that I've pondered myself uh, here in a new and a fresh way is, do we think the end is near? Do you think the Lord is returning? Well, here's what I do know for sure, right? We're closer than any other generation in human history. And I think for the first time in my lifetime, you can begin to see pretty easily how the events of the book of Revelation could play out right before our very eyes. And so how we think about that uh, really does have impact, right? If you have a pre-tribulational view, then it's the idea that the Lord's going to return for the church before all this, the imminent return of the Lord, and there's no prophecies, there's no things that aren't fulfilled that wouldn't keep the Lord from coming. Uh, as he says, he'll come like a thief in the night. If you hold to a, a mid-trib or a post-trib, the Lord's going to come back, right? Then you're watching carefully to see, does the Antichrist, we know this in Daniel chapter uh, 9, is going to set up a peace treaty with the nation of Israel. Three and a half years into that peace treaty, if you're a mid-trib, we know that he'll break that treaty, war will go out, or if you're post seven years after that, that we do. And so for you, you're watching very closely to that relationship uh, with the nation of Israel and who is that Antichrist. We do know this, that the Bible says that he's going to be somebody uh, who will come out of power out of the revived Roman Empire, which in modern day, those are the, the countries, most of Europe, uh, all the nations touching the Mediterranean, including some of the nations of Northern Africa. Wh whatever you feel on all of that, my, my point is simply this. I think in a new and maybe a more urgency way, we begin to look at the things that are happening around the world and beginning to ask that question, what if the Lord returned in my lifetime? What if he came in three years or in five years or in eight and a half years from now? Um, if I knew the date and time, how would I choose to live differently? How would I invest my time and my talent and what we're going to talk a little bit over the next two weeks? How would I invest my treasure in a different ways? At the end of the day, if I stand before God, really, what, what does God really want from my life, right? What, what's important to him? What are the things that he really is going to say, did you prioritize these things? We're going to look and say answer the question this, if we'd stood before God and God said, how should I prioritize? How do we think about this area of our resources, our finances? What are important to him? That's what we're going to look today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, if you're new here, if you've got your phones, go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there, all the events that are happening in our church, good way to stay connected. I've got a little resource in there for parents in the notes today for you as we go. And so Matthew chapter 25, and here's what I want to do in our time today. I want to give us three principles how we honor God with this area of our resource and our finances. What would be important to God? If the Lord returned in our lifetime when we stood before, what's relevant to him? What are the things that are important to his heart? And so we're gonna look at those three principles. And here's the big thought for us today. Giving to your church is really giving through your church to fulfill your personal missional calling. Let me give that to you. When you give to your church, here's what I want you to think about it differently. You're actually giving through your church to fulfill your missional calling of what you're doing with your life and what you're doing with your resources, right? Because here's the deal. I know for Tammy and I, if we did not think missionally about our 
living and how we gave and how we did different things, uh, I would always default, yeah, she's better than I, I would always default probably to a more consumer mindset. If I'm not thinking about missional, it will easily move to consumer. Uh, there's always a subscription that I need. Have you ever noticed that? I didn't even know I didn't, the app existed, but I can't live without it right now. Or there's always an upgrade to my upgraded technology. It's amazing. Like every year there's a new thing that I didn't know, but now it's a new on a new kind of thing, right? And so here's what I love. When the Lord returns, he's reminding me, the Lord's not going to ask me, Brian, did you have the NFL network because you can't get the Chiefs game because Cincinnati plays every week? I mean, he's not going to ask me that. He's not going to ask me, hey, that iPhone, is that titanium? Ah, kind of weak if it's not, right? The Lord's going to say, I know when I stand before him, these are the things that are true to his heart. And I want to give you three things that God really cares about. Number one, compassion for the vulnerable. Near and dear to the heart of God. What kind of compassion did you have for those that were vulnerable? Matthew chapter 25. It's an amazing book. If you get a chance this week, go back and read Matthew 25 in the context. The first part of the teaching on Matthew chapter 25 is the teaching of the 10 virgins. And the application of the, the principle is simply this, is that the groom is going to return at any time. That's what the question we started this very morning. You think the Lord is going to return? Here's what I know. The groom's going to return at any time. And when he returned, he's going to hold us accountable for how we stewarded the days before he came. That's what the whole parable of the ten virgins deals. Verses 14 to 30 then goes on to give us the parable of the talents. It's not about how much we have. It's about how we use and how we leverage the things and the resources that God has entrusted on us, right? So it doesn't matter if you're a high school student, a broke college student, young married, midway through your life, kids out of the home or in retirement years. The issue is not how much you have. The issue is you've been entrusted with these talents. What have you done with them and how are you leveraging them each time? And then he closes out Matthew chapter 25 with simply this, this perspective on what honors the heart of God. All right? So in light of the Lord can return at any time. And in light of when he returns, we're going to be accountable for how we steward what he has given us during these days. And so if we do, then what's important to the heart of God? We're going to see this, that compassion for the vulnerable. Matthew 25, let's go in verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger or welcome you or naked or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And then the king will answer him. Here's the key. Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, right? You did it for me. Compassion for the vulnerable. In my life, right? So rather than give $5 to every panhandler that I run into on Nicholasville Road, I'm choosing to be generous and give through my church. Why? At Lex City Church, can I just encourage you today? We partner with some of the most vulnerable places in the planet and some of the most vulnerable places in our community. We have together chosen to strategically resource and help children get out of poverty in the name of Jesus in a village in, in Guatemala. We've chosen to support pastors in some of the most impoverished places in the world in India right down the street from Mother Teresa in Calcutta that's there. We've chosen, like, that's the place that we're going to invest in a partnership uh, with believers around there. We've just started a brand-new partnership this last year in the jungles of Africa. 
And so we have chosen intentionally some of the most vulnerable and needy places around the world. And here's the beauty. My little bit, plus your little bit, plus your little bit, plus your little bit, begins to make a big difference in some of these places. And if you've been around here long, we've shared the, the victories and the amazing things that God has, has been doing. Here's the point. In my world and Tammy's world, listen, we could not do any of that alone. We're only making that impact because together we're choosing to put our little pieces together to make something significant. So I give through my church because I want to be a generous person. I don't just give to my church. I give through it. And every month I do that, it helps me to be living for something greater than myself. Because if I'm not intentional about that, I will chase what is brightest and what is shiny and what is new and that new subscription and all of those. And so listen, God reminds us that we've got to have compassion for those that are vulnerable. And Jesus says this, I, not only that, I need you to be compassionate. It's not just the emotion, like my heart feels bad about this, but I want you to do this. I want you to give hospitality, here's the next thing he says, with no thought of repayment. Luke chapter 14, verse 12. And he said also to the man who had been invited, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Why? Because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Context of Luke chapter 14 in this teaching. Listen, Jesus says this. When you invite somebody to an event and you invite them because you know if you invite them, they're going to feel obligated to invite you back to their event, that doesn't count. I mean, that's the ultimate good old boys kind of deal, right? I'll pat you on the back because I know you're going to pat me on the back. And so when we're creating this big banquet, this big event, we're going to invite only those who have the capacity to return the favor to us. And that's why this thing happens. That's our mindset. Who are we not going to invite into the events? Well, we're not going to invite the poor. And we're not going to invite the disabled. And in the context of the New Testament, we're not even going to invite women because at this point they have no social status. Then Jesus walks onto the scene and says, <laughs> we're going to turn this whole thing upside down. Jesus walks in and in Luke 14 says, I'm going to give you a teaching that's going to, it's going to blow your mind. Because what I'm talking about is so countercultural. What I'm talking about is going to be so different, and I want my followers to live different than the world. I want you to think about hospitality, not in terms of what you can do so you can get something back. I want you to think about it through a heart of compassion. Jesus says, I want you to value women. I want you to honor the poor. I want you to have compassion for the disabled and those that are around you. I want you to give, now don't miss this, I want you to give with no expectation of anything coming back to you. I want you to host and do things not so you can grow in your social status because here's what you're going to understand. If you are a follower of mine, you're going to understand that your reward is not here on earth. That your reward for this kind of generosity awaits you at what he calls the resurrection of the just or in heaven someday. Can you picture how mind-blowing this kind of teaching is? 
Jesus says, hey, follow me. I want you to be different. I don't want you to live like the world does. I want you to think about this. So in my world, listen, I, I don't hold any big banquets at my church, or at my house, I should say. But let me tell you about what my church does. My church gives backpacks and school supplies to some of the most unresourced people in our community every single year. My church invited over 5,000 people to come to our building, and on that night, we provided for them a safe, free banquet of pure sugar for about four hours as we did this together, right? My church, in a few weeks, is going to invite a bunch of people from our community to this Christmas show banquet, and we're going to give them a gift of laughter and nostalgia and community, and we're going to ask nothing from them, but we're going to give our very best for them. Jesus says that's the kind of compassion that we're going to do. What I love about my church is internationally and locally, listen, we give with this kind of generosity, not out of any stacks of excess money. <laughs> if you've been around our place, there's no hidden stacks here. In fact, we give when we don't have. And sometimes we give at a detriment to even ourselves at different times. So the question is, why would we do that? Why should you think about generosity that way? Well, let me give you the third thing. God reminds us this. A generous God demands a generous people. Why do we do this? Because our God is generous. And as a follower of a generous God, it demands out of my life a life of generosity. And it's so interesting how we have turned, especially in the North American church, this whole concept of generosity and obedient giving, we've, all, we've turned it to such a, an option for a believer. Like it's something we can think about. But can I remind you, that's not what God says. Listen to what John says to the church. He exhorts the church on this very same issue in 1 John chapter 3. He says this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So this kind of generosity I'm talking about, this is, this is love in action. This isn't just words. This isn't just things you say so you feel good and it appeases your guilt. Listen, this is love in action. This is discipleship at its very core when the things that you love are impacted by the God that you love so much. And so when I say that today about this idea of learning to prioritize your generosity and think about your, how you steward these things, probably for most of us in this room, we fall into two camps when it comes to generosity in our, in our homes and our households of origin. For some of you, uh, you grew up at a, in a home where your parents modeled this for you. They talked about generosity. If you were like me, uh, your very first allowance, your parents talked to you about tithing and you had a jar for yourself and a jar for saving and a jar for tithing, right? You grew up where this was a part and you just understood it. For many of you today, the opposite was true. You grew up in a home where it was never talked about. And this idea of, of giving and generosity is really foreign because it was something that never came up in your homes at all. And so now when you have this idea of like, you're talking about not just, you're talking about sacrificially 
giving towards generosity to those that could do nothing back for me, if that concept becomes a, a whole different idea. Why would I do that, right? There are things that I need. There are things that I want that seem so foreign. And for some of you today, what I really love is that you are beginning to build generational new patterns of discipleship in your home that you never experienced. For some of all, you're creating a home where generosity is a part of that, and your kids are going to experience something that you never experienced as a child. You're, you're, you're breaking old patterns and starting new kind of things. And today, I, I want to share with you just a little story from Micah and Lori Jerome on how they're passing this idea of generosity and what God has done in their life down to the next generation through their children. And here's a little bit of their story. Hi, I'm Micah Jerome. And I'm Lori Jerome, and we've been married 19 years. We have three children, Alexandra, Emerson, and Quincy. And we started going to Lex City in about fall of 2007. Lori and I both come from evangelical Christian families, and uh, really giving was always um, displayed to both of us through our parents. When I was about 12, my parents went through a really terrible hardship, a financial hardship, but they still gave, and I always remember that. Giving didn't disappear because hardship came. It was still at the first and forefront, even though it wasn't a lot, but it was still uh, a lot to them. We were always taught to give our first and our best, and we try to do that throughout our lifetime and, and teach it to our children too when they get any type of paycheck, if they do any type of chore, to give the first and their best to the church. We've tried to make generosity a core value in our family through the years of always talking about um, giving, uh, not just of money, but of time. It's something we've been very open about uh, and tried to always make sure the kids knew that was the first steps. So ham and walnuts at, out of Missouri, they buy walnuts in the fall and they have a go-between buyer. So anybody in any area can pick up walnuts off the ground and haul them to a hauling station, which is an Amish farm in Cynthiana. And so this year, the kids had the goal of five truckloads. A big truckload is about $100. Our three kids and their two cousins are actually trying to save up to give a goat maybe or some chickens to Compassion. It's kind of their idea of what they wanted to give back this year with that extra money they earned. So I think when we first got married, we, we took Financial Peace University. We paid off $40,000 in about 18 months to get completely out of debt. Because we're not in debt, you have the ability to be generous because you are freed up in your life to, to give and you're not hindered by it. It's not a stepping stone or a decision of do I pay the rent or do I give? It's I give because I already have the rent or mortgage covered and paid for. So it's, uh, uh, giving gets to be your first, first act uh, every month. I think when you give through your church, ministry happens and ministry can't happen without some financial backing you know god doesn't need our money but he needs our hearts in it and so it's not a really a financial thing it's a it's a heart issue this year alone we saw two our two daughters get baptized and that can 
that was really awesome as parents to see them take that step forward and youth can't happen without resources and funding and so it's just been really amazing to watch the investment back into into our kids within the ministries of the church and then them taking the next step forward into uh, following Jesus and them being generous too. It was very hard for us to come to this point of even wanting to, to share our story because people think see you on a video and think you're living this out perfectly and, and you're not. You have hard days. There's always room for improvement. Some days uh, our actions with our kids watching, we get to see that uh, room is really large as far as how much opportunity we have to improve. In the last few years, I've tried to start prioritizing in our minds and our family's life of, okay, if we're going to give this much to each other, what things can we give to our church, whether that's time or money or both? So it's a good opportunity for us to consider what we can do um, different from last year and, and how the a good opportunity to reflect how we've been blessed through the year and how maybe we can be a blessing to someone else through the next year. I love that. And what I appreciate about the Jeromes is just, it's, they're just being intentional. For some of us, we've, we've lived it out in front of our children, but we just don't talk about the why. And if we're not careful, we grow up and we create this legalism mindset, right? Where, hey, you gotta give this percent. That's how God's gonna love you. That's how you're gonna please God. And we forget the aspect of this. How can we compassionately love to do this because we're followers of Jesus? They're kids. I love the fact we're collecting walnuts. Why? So we can buy a goat to give to our family and our kid who's in Guatemala, this compassion that's here. If you're a parent and you're saying, like, how can I do a better job of just having that conversation with our kids? Again, in LexCity.info, I put a little link. There's just a little web page that just gives you some talking points. But here's what I want to encourage you. Continue to help your kids to understand we're compassionate not out of legalism or guilt or shame. We're compassionate because we love a compassionate God. And God says this is what makes us different. He says in the New Testament, generosity. This is what separates you from the world. A generosity that has an eye to give with compassion. A generosity that has a desire to give to those who have no ability to ever pay you back this side of heaven for what you're going to do. That's the sign of a follower of Jesus. And the Bible says that compassion, the, the, the conduit, the vehicle for which it happens is the context of your local assembly, right? It was a storehouse. It was the Old Testament temple. It's in the context of the New Testament, your local church. That the church would be a conduit of your generosity. At Lex City, listen, we're, we are not a bank. We are simply stewarding your generosity through our church family to the generosity to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world and our community around us. And can I just say to you, and I'm completely biased, but can I just say to you, it's one of the things I love about who we are. I think we are really generous with the community around us. I think we're really generous with the world that God's called us to serve and our ability to reach some of the most vulnerable groups around them. And so again, I always say we're not a bank, but we are your conduit of generosity to what the world has to say around us. 
I've asked Pastor Zach to kind of come in and, uh, and share with us just in a few minutes here, because if we're going to be the conduit of your generosity, then there has to be the openness and transparency of how we're leveraging the resources that you entrust us with. So I'm going to have him come give us a little up-to-date to where we are this point year-to-date as we close out our fiscal year, and then as we've done the last few years to just give you an opportunity to say, how can you continue to partner with us that we can accomplish what God, I think, has really called us to do in terms of being that hands and feet in our Thanks, Brian. So just like many of you probably have like family meetings to talk about your budget in your home, we're kind of going to do that just for a couple minutes now uh, as a church family. And so I'm going to walk us through some kind of key financial statistics between January to the end of October, because that's kind of where we're at. Um, right now, and just kind of give you guys um, some things to look at there. And just so you guys are aware, we report these things to our, our boards every month. So we have a board of ministries that meets and a board of elders, and those are made up of incredible people inside of our church who are not staff, who are great uh, businesswomen and businessmen, and they come meet with us, and I present to them kind of the state of the finances, the giving, and the expense every month, and they report, I report that, they ask me questions, we answer those, and then we kind of vote that in each month as well. And so I'm going to give you guys some stats. It's going to help you guys learn, like, just kind of know how you can pray for our church and also how you can make informed decisions about your own giving at Lex City as well. So the first one is just our giving year to date, January through October. So expected given what we expected to come in with budget before was $1,655,000. What came in uh, so far was $1,581,000. So we're about $74,000 in the red year to date on what we expected to come in. And just so you guys are aware, our overall budget for the year is a little over $2.2 million. And like most nonprofits and churches, we rely heavily on year and giving. So we actually operate at a loss for nine or 10 months of the year, and then we make up that money in November and December. Um, and so that's kind of how we operate. Uh, and so we actually have to take that money out of cash reserves to pay for our bills and things like that throughout the year. And then expenses, uh, this is year to date. Through October, our budget, what we were supposed to spend was $1,870,000. What we actually spent was $1,713,000. And so just like in your family, when you don't have the money to pay your bills, you just you spend less, hopefully. That's what you do. Um, and that's what we do as a church as well. So your staff has done a great job of controlling expenses and really just kind of walking through kind of mission and critical spending only is what we've been doing as a staff. And there's a great phrase, lack of resources breeds innovation. Our staff has become very innovative this year uh, without kind of some money to spend there. And then, um, uh, and then as you guys know, we, we, some of you don't know, we, a lot of our uh, costs as a church are what we call fixed costs or things that we can't really change. And so it's our debt reduction costs, it's our facility costs, and those things really can't change. Our variable costs, which happens to be a lot of our ministry things and staffing things are things that we can actually uh, save some money there. So, and then the, the, the slide that matters the most, I think, is actual giving to actual expenses. And so our actual expenses are 1713 Our actual giving is 1581 So we have pulled about $132,000 out of cash reserves to cover our bills um, through, the, through October so far. Um, and so thankfully, God has blessed us with a couple of large donations this year. And our boards and staff have been super generous and kind of been all in um, with that as well. So this number could be a lot worse, but excited for where it is right now. And just so you guys are aware, we are currently in our budget process right now for 2024, kind of finalizing that. And then we'll present that to both our boards. They'll vote on that and we'll move forward. And we are actually um, uh, presenting a budget that's about $100,000 less 
in 24 than we had in 23, trying to right-size some of the cost of what our actual giving has looked like. And so every year, uh, we like to give you guys a goal for November and December as a church. And so this is our God-sized goal we'd like to see come in from a giving standpoint in November and December. And that goal this year is $450,000 to come in in November and December. And so here's how you guys can be praying. Here's how you can get involved. We wanted to give you guys some options of saying, hey, here's how you can pray through and make informed decisions about your own giving, your own stewardship, as you guys look at your end of your personal finances. And so um, there's there's a card uh, in the seat backs there. It looks like this. You guys can find that card uh, in your seat there. It's also online at Lexi.info. It just says a generous life. You can click on that. So you can fill this card out if you would like uh, in person and put it in one of the... um, uh, giving boxes on the way out, or you can take it home, pray about it, bring it back, or you can also fill it out online as a QR code there um, as well. But kind of the five options we wanted to give you guys to kind of pray through. Um, the first one there says, I'm going to set up recurring giving in 2024. You say, why does it help to have recurring giving? So for us, as we budget, it helps to know kind of what's coming in the next month. helps as we are looking at expenses and giving there. The next one says, I'm going to increase the percentage of my recurring gift in 2024. So... Um, some of you, I was raised uh, to tithe, so 10%, so that's been something my wife and I have done since we got married, and as we have more, we give more than that, but I encourage you, if you don't have a percentage gift, it's kind of the best way to go, hey, I can do my part, and you look at this, so maybe I'm giving 5% now, we can pray about giving 6% next year, what it looks like, so just that's, that's where that, uh, that one is right there. The third one there, the third and fourth one is something we started a couple of years ago, we just call it double up. It's really just praying through, let's say I give $100 a month, I'm going to pray through giving $200 a month in November and December or one of those months. So you guys can check one of those boxes if that's what you pray through there. The last one is kind of a catch-all. I'm praying through a gift of generosity above me on my normal giving. So I normally give this, I'm going to pray about giving this one-time gift at the end of the year. So we have this so you guys can take these home, pray about it, talk to your family, uh, look at your own finances, look at your own budget, and just kind of say, hey, how can I be a part of this select city, because like Pastor Brian mentioned, your, your giving matters. It's a spiritual discipline. It's, it's an obedience to your worship. It's to your giving. So take that card home with you. Pray about it. You can drop it in one of the giving boxes on their way out. You can also fill out the online card as well. So thanks for letting me kind of walk you guys through a financial update. Pastor Brian's going to close right. us out. Thanks, Zach. We share that with you because it's important. And it's important for us as followers of Christ, right? We're generous people because we serve a generous God. It's important because what we're doing together is so countercultural. It makes a difference. It doesn't make any sense in our cultural context. It doesn't make any sense to your accountant, but it's the things that we do because we care about people. We're motivated by compassion for those that are vulnerable. We're motivated by compassion to give towards those who can give us nothing in return because it honors the heart of God. So where we started, you know, if the, if the Lord returns in our lifetime, and the Lord returns within my lifetime, and I stand before God, and God says, Brian, how, how have you stewarded the things that I've invested and entrusted to you? You know what would be fun? I, what the fun part is I'll be able to say, God, well, let's just open up our bank account, right? And uh, I just want to have you look at, here's my bank account, and look at what Tammy and I have done is we have joined together with a bunch of amazing people that together we can do something greater than we could ever do individually. And so we gathered together with a group of amazing people at a place called Lex City Church. And together, we were generous so that our community and our world could know and follow and share Jesus.
Let's pray together. Father, today as we think just a little bit about that issue that you've talked so much about, this idea of just the generosity of our lives, I love that you said to us, I want you to think about this different than the world. (laughs) I want you to care about the people who are forgotten. I want you to have compassion and honor those that could give you nothing in return. So God, I thank you that that has been the mission and the vision of the Big C Church from the very beginning in Acts 2. That we would be men and women who live on that kind of missional thought. That the generosity of what we do comes not out of guilt or obligation. It just comes out of a sense of that we have been people who love a generous God. And so we choose to be generous with our time and our talents and our treasures. So, Lord, we just continue to pray for that. Whatever that means to us individually in our own hearts, continue to pray for our church family here at Lex City. Lord, you know the needs. You know the things that we so desire to do for your glory. And so we trust you with that and ask that you would find us faithful. Lord, tomorrow morning when we get up and we go to work or we go to school or we interact with our neighbor or our roommate, may we just think about who we are as a people. May we just be kind and grace-giving. May we just speak some hope and some love or give a hug or just give some encouragement tomorrow. Help us to be men and women who see and value living on mission every day for your glory. So God, we love you. We love what you've done in our lives. As we look around the world, we just say, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. And we'll give you the glory for what you're going to do in us and through us. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. So glad you came. We're a part of it. I'm going to invite you back next week for part two. Hey, stay healthy this week. We had 16 folks that went down between worship team and other places. And this team wonderfully pulled it all off for this morning. So we're so grateful. So uh, stay healthy. We'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.